Hello and welcome to the download. Happy New Year. I'm your host, Dave Richardson. We're here for the first Stewsdays of 2023. Uh, Stu, I went back and calculated, and all 52 Stewsdays in 2022 were down days in the market. That's how uh, <laughs> that's how depressing the market was. It was up on all other days, just down on Stewsdays. Is that is that the data that you've been looking at too? Uh, I think I saw it a little bit differently, Dave, but uh, I'll take your word for it. I, I may, may may have been a little bit off, um, and and uh, one of my New Year's resolutions is to uh, view things more positively uh, in well, 2023, so I'm off to a rough start. Or, or don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Well, that too. I mean, we're um, you're, you're you're the brains behind this operation. I'm here for uh, for minor entertainment value at the front and back end of the podcast. So then then we're in serious trouble. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know your brain always works, but sometimes I'm just not that charming. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, at least we're off to a, a good start in terms of having fun on the podcast, and uh, and again, we're looking forward to a uh, to uh, to to a great year. And and at least as we as we move into the early part of the year, uh, we 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 always like to take uh, to, to to go around the world as much as possible and take a look at. Uh, at, at what we're thinking is going to happen uh, throughout 2023 and where those opportunities lie. And, uh, and we're starting with Stu today. Uh, and and Stu, uh, Stu's specific expertise, he, he is the co-head of North American Equities at RBC Global Asset Management. So his expertise is in North America. But as we've already suggested, pretty smart guy, has his eye on, uh, on everything going around the world. Uh, but, but before we look, uh, we look ahead into 2023, uh, we took three weeks off over the uh, over the holiday season. Anything interesting happen that uh, that people should be taking a look at over over those three weeks, or or uh, was it uh, just a, well, a yeah. good time to go to California and sit in the rain like I did? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah it, it's always a good time to go sit in the rain in California. But um, you know, for what is supposed to have been a fairly quiet period of time, there were some fairly significant events uh, taking place. Uh, you know, and not not necessarily in in order of importance, but uh, you know, during uh, the break period, we had, uh, or since we last spoke, uh, we had a very significant shift in the COVID policy in China, yeah. uh, which uh, you know is is leading to um, you know a significant health challenge in the short term, but is also likely to lead to herd immunity a lot faster than uh, we would have had three weeks ago. Uh, the second is uh, the weather in Europe has been, uh, you know, very warm, um, which uh, has significant implications at this juncture uh, because of how tight energy had been. And, and that has really depressed natural gas prices in the short term. Uh, but it also, uh, you know, takes some of the pressure off on inflation and, and the way that energy was eating into consumption. And the third thing was uh, a shift from the Bank of Japan around interest rate uh, policy, uh, the increase and in the, the cap on the 10-year bond, and uh, that resulted in a strengthening of the yen. And um, I think the last dollar of uh, negative yielding debt disappeared uh, during that three-week period of time. So no wow. more uh, negative yielding debt, which is quite significant, and, uh, and a, a bit of a peak in the U.S. dollar around you know, some of this action. So, you know, currency markets have, you know, like currency markets and interest rates. And when you ask a, an equity guy, like, why do you focus on those? Because, 
you know, those are where the big flows are. So uh, a peaking of the U.S. dollar uh, is a significant event, um, and uh, and uh, changes in interest rates are significant events. So, um, you know, so that that's happened since we last spoke. Uh, and then, and then, meanwhile, in the United States, maybe it doesn't make the top three, but certainly uh, certainly belongs on the list. Uh, bit better inflation data and the economy, particularly on the service data and the ISM, cooled. Quite dramatically, uh, which allowed uh, the bond market to continue to rally. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, we you know, while we still think you know the Fed is going to be resolute here, uh, from a talking standpoint, it does remove some of the pressure on the interest rate front. Uh, so those are you know those are some big shifts. Those are some big icebergs uh, floating by uh, for a, a quiet uh, period of, of time. Yeah, Jerome Powell even called me up on the phone over the holidays and said, Dave, we're sticking with this. Don't, don't, like he's talking it up big. Actually, he didn't call me if, uh, but I, I'm, I'm sure he will soon. But they're, they're, they're still going to talk a big game. But it, it, it does look, when you look at all the underlying data, that um, th- that we are likely past the worst of inflation and and, and, and certainly the worst of those uh, those interest rate hikes. I think so. Like, uh, you know, and I think, I think uh, to your point around, you know, whether or not Jerome Powell actually called you or not, I'm not sure. But um, and he is going to talk a big game here. But uh, the point also is that it is what's going on is Fed induced. You know, there are slowdowns. There are slowdowns that uh, are the result of elevated prices. There are slowdowns uh, due to over leverage, and there are slowdowns that the Fed induces. And this is one of them. And the reason that's important is because they can change course. And when they change course, it will have uh, different implications than having to kind of work some of the excesses out of the system in uh, past downturns. So that's, uh, you know, and that, that likely is a 2023 event. Yeah, and, and, and we're kind of in that phase in the middle where we're pretty sure they're changing, they're about to change course, but it's not 100% carved in stone. So you still got that un- uncertainty, and that's what's breeding the, co- the continued volatility in, in markets. 100%, I would say the last... You know the 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 last of the positives in Canada, we had very strong unemployment. Sorry, very strong employment. Uh, the U.S. employment has remained pretty good. So, you know what the debate here is in the near term is uh, the economy is slowing, but if unemployment remains low, then the economy may you know maybe a soft landing is in the cards. Uh, uh, do we need a soft landing? Do we need a little bit more of a slowdown to convince? Uh, the central banks to to uh, to ease off a little bit uh, is a major question. Um, you know, we you know we've talked a lot about the slope of the yield curve, which is negative, uh, about as negative as it's been uh, for some time. So, you know, I would say scenario one, which has the higher probability, is that uh, longer term interest rates, you know, stay around these levels or maybe a little bit lower, and as time progresses, uh, the central banks decide that they too can ease. Uh, interest rates. So, you know, what do I mean by that? Like, if if a if a ten year bond is around three and a half, and a two year bond is around say four and a quarter, that's a minus seventy five basis point slope. Inside of every bond uh, is embedded other bonds, right? So I could buy a ten year bond, or I could buy a two year bond, and I could buy an eight year bond two years from now. So if I see higher short term interest rates and lower longer term interest rates. It's trying to predict when the central banks might lower rates. So, uh, 
you know, I would say scenario number one is that is that as the year progresses, central banks will be able to ease off. That's how the yield curve will regain a positive slope by declining short rates, which would be positive, uh, you know, I think in general from an economic standpoint. That said, we do have to be cognizant. It is a smaller probability event in our minds, but with unemployment in such good shape, so low, wage is pretty good. If the economy has a soft landing and rates are going to stay higher for longer, then you know that slope of the yield curve could also adjust itself by longer rates rising a little bit. That wouldn't be our, our primary scenario at this juncture, but it's something that we have to be aware of. Um, you know, for the equity market as a whole, the kind of tiering down of interest rates is normally positive for valuations. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Last year, earnings estimates were as close to what was actually delivered in the history of estimates being shown. Yet, you know, for all that quality of earnings estimates, it was the multiple that changed quite significantly and led to the decline. And that decline impacted stocks, some stocks much more significantly than others. So as we come into this year, if we have, you know, a softer landing, then maybe the earnings will hold up better. But we also may struggle a little bit with having a valuation expansion. So, um, you know, normally what happens is today we sit here uh, and, uh, you know, in a slowdown, the earnings might decline if the current estimates are around you know, say 230 for the S&P, it might decline to even to the 200 to 210 mark. That might cause some softness while those earnings uh, kind of get worked through the system. But then as interest rates start to drop and the stock market starts to look beyond the current earnings and they say, well, earnings will recover, the multiple expands on those recovered earnings and you get, you know, a very nice return from the equity market. You know, those are some of the things that we're going to have to work through uh, this year. If in fact we get a soft landing, we may get more earnings, but we may not get a major change in valuation um, that often comes with uh, with a decline in interest rates. So, uh, you know, lots to think about as we go into the year um, and uh, and uh, we're going to be ready for a variety of outcomes. Yeah. And, and as we say, there, there, there's, there's still that possibility of, of the different outcomes. Would you say that that what you're seeing over the last month, though, and then this is what Jerome Powell and others would be looking at as well, is is that you're starting to see a little bit more of that 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 most likely scenario, uh, the chance of that playing out versus the the, the downside scenario? Yeah, I think that's true. Like uh, um, uh, inflation, uh, you know, from from our standpoint, anyways, is is likely to you know, come off a little bit faster than people expect. Uh, you know, the, the short end of the yield curve looks uh, quite attractive to us. Um, and then within the equity portfolios, uh, you know, notwithstanding headline changes, there's still a lot of attractive opportunities. Uh, you know, when, when I look inside the portfolio, I, you know, we have all sorts of stocks that we think uh, uh, could be quite interesting through the year. Um so, uh, you know, shorter term uh, credit, shorter term interest rates look interesting. And, and uh, you know, there's certainly a fair swath of businesses out there that do as well. And many of them also, you know, from a timing standpoint, uh, you know, which is always the hardest thing to predict. But, yeah. you know, we're collecting lots of dividends and uh, those dividends arrive and we get to buy more stocks and get to sprinkle, uh, 
you know, new opportunities into the portfolio, uh, which, uh, you know, is certainly additive to the longer term return potential of, of what we see. Now, now a, a lot of the stuff that I've been reading here the last couple of weeks of 2022, early this year, seem, seem to point towards, like you say, um, sh- short end of the yield curve or, or shorter, you know, you know the, the, the one, two year area of the yield curve. And uh, and then real quality on the, on the stock front, the dividends like you always preach, uh, that that seems to be the consensus area of of, of where you want to be right now. Yeah, I, I, obviously I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think like I've had the yeah I've had the dividend uh, you know some dividend stocks and things like this for you know well over twenty years, uh, and you know there's just something. Uh, you know, when you think about high single digit returns and half of it's coming to you in a dividend, you know, there's always the chance that, you know, something off takes off or, you know, turns flavor. But in a financial plan, I'm I'm pretty happy with dividends and dividend growth in almost any environment. Um, so, you know, I think that that fits the bill today, but I think it fits the bill uh, for the long term as well. Absolutely. We'll never get off that. And, and we, we won't even... I don't have a coffee with me, so I won't even say the, uh, the our, our drinking game word. We'll get into that in a in in another episode. Let let's um let's look at Canada. One of the things you mentioned, I did want to come back to, uh, was the 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 peak U.S. dollar, and we talked about it on some of the the episodes with uh, Eric Lascelles and 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 some of the other guests that we had on last year. The idea that as U.S. interest rates were were moving dramatically higher. It created incredible strength in the U.S. dollar, but Canadians didn't notice it. the The Canadian dollar weakened a little bit relative to the U.S. dollar, but nowhere near uh, what was happening with the yen and the euro and the British pound. That you know, in some cases, were down over twenty percent against the U.S. dollar. We've seen, and and what we what we we talked about in several episodes is, as soon as the market gets that sense that maybe somewhere over the hill. U.S. rates are going to start to come down, that the U.S. dollar would soften. And sure enough, we've seen that happen, and you referenced it. Uh, but once again, if you're looking at the Canadian dollar, U.S. dollar exchange rate, which so many Canadians look at, it's, it's probably the most commonly known economic number amongst, amongst the Canadian public. Um, you haven't really seen it. The Canadian dollars moved from 73 to 75, maybe, you know, not, you know, a couple of percent. Uh, but that U.S. dollar drop against other currencies has been in excess of 10% uh, since since that signal, since the market received that signal. So that's going to create some other opportunities. We're going to get that. We're going to get into that and in, uh, with with other guests. But but Stu, let let's talk specifically about Canada. Then, um, do, is is this you know, is everything that's transpiring? Um, including this big change in China, does does this set Canada up for continued outperformance relative to the U.S. or underperformance uh, be, because of the structure of the Canadian market? Um, well, it's it's a uh, it's a little bit of all of the above. Unfortunately, it's not it's <laughs> yeah. not as uh, cut and dry. Like I think you know the Canadian dollar, it will likely take uh, a period of time. Um, you know, I think I think what you know Canadian housing. You know, the next six months will probably be uh, the more interesting six months in, in Canadian housing as we get through the spring selling season. It'll give us an idea about, you know, start to see some some volume trading. Uh, 
you know, prices have come down. Uh, certainly, it would be a manageable level, but we haven't really seen a lot of volume trade. Um, and, uh, you know, as a market participant, you like to see volume and price. Um, you know, that will probably have happened within six months. And I think, uh, you know, people get, you know, the feeling that, that, the, that the housing market is, is a bit more balanced, even if the price is a handful of percentage lower, but a bit more balanced. then that will be helpful to uh, the perception of the Canadian economy. It might take until then for the Canadian dollar to participate in some of the other currency strength against the United States. Um, from a commodity standpoint, like the reopening, you know, so natural gas has been a struggle with the warm, the warm winter. Uh, you know, if China aviation went back towards uh, its normal levels, that would be another two million barrels of oil a day. So there's some tailwinds that uh, could present themselves uh, on some commodity consumption. And then the broader commodity complex too. the, you know, copper's already been quite tight, um, iron ore, these types of things. Uh, they would certainly benefit uh, as uh, as China, you know, gradually reopens. So I think it's an okay, I think it's an okay uh, uh, setup for Canada. Um, you know, some of the global areas, uh, you know, Canada was a little bit stronger last year. Like some of these global markets and, and EM markets are challenging you know, kind of like 10-year downtrends against uh, the S&P. Uh, and they're doing so uh, with pretty good breadth. Um, so yeah, I don't know if Canada will outperform some of those markets, but um, yeah, it looks okay. Yeah, and, uh, a little bit, uh, one of the things I'm I, I'm reading about a little bit more people are on, particularly as, as, um, as some of the cryptocurrencies have, have fallen out of favor with a, with a broader range of investors, uh, a, a lot of similar type investors have an interest in gold and silver, and yep. we've seen some rally there. Is is that is is the setup that we've got for 2023? Is that favorable to uh, to precious metals, or or is 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 this just a reflection of what we've seen over the last couple of months with U.S. yields coming down and the U.S. dollar uh, weakening? Well, I think it's it's it, it certainly helps with the U.S. dollar weakening. I you know I also think with you know, some of the geopolitical changes that have taken place in the last 12 months, you know, when every commodity is traded in dollars um, and, and you know, the ability to always get your hands on U.S. dollars was a bit of a challenge, which led to some of its strength. But, you know, you start to see central banks start to build uh, some gold uh, reserves back up through last year. Um, you know, the setup, the setup for, uh, you know, commodities in general is not bad. Uh, gold, not bad. You know, just to have uh, some diversity uh, outside of just the U.S. dollar, um, yeah, I think that's that's picked up a bit of steam in the last couple of months. Yeah, but it, but in a good Canadian dividend portfolio, you're going to have you're going to if it's well diversified, you're going to have pretty good exposure to all of those areas, right? Yeah, like gold has been tougher from a dividend standpoint to get uh, exposure. You know, just there's only a handful of gold companies that operate <clears throat> in jurisdictions that. Uh, you know, we would feel really confident in kind of a dividend-oriented portfolio. It's not that it's not that there's anything, you know, necessarily, um, you know, negative about some of these other jurisdictions. They have a little bit more volatility, and you know, we like to keep it a little bit down the middle of the road for the dividend uh, areas. Um, but uh, you know, rising gold prices can produce rising cash flows, and the valuations are are not uh, totally untoward in that area. But um, you know, like, like we look across, you know, the nice thing about the Canadian market is, uh, you know, you look across energy, 
you know, a little precious metal, the financial stocks, the consumer stocks, uh, you know, they tend to be higher yielding. They, you know, the businesses are, you know, solid. Uh, some might say solid yet unspectacular. I think they're solid, solid. Um, so, you know, you're sitting there collecting, uh, you know, mid single digit dividend yields with the likelihood that those dividends are going to grow uh, at least at inflation, if not more over time. That's a great you know, recipe in my mind uh, for long term returns. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just whether or not, you know, investors like, you know, I think there'll be people looking at some, you know, global sectors, uh, you know, the, the, the U.S. equity market capitalization grew to such a level that that might rebalance itself a little bit and that can help Canada, but it's it's likely to help some of the global markets a little bit more. Yeah, and I, and I should have been less specific in terms of saying Canadian dividend portfolio, more of a Canadian portfolio will give you lots of exposure. Uh, oh, yeah. to all those different areas because of all. So I, I'm 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 sorry I, I, I positioned that uh, that poorly. So 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 overall, uh, if you balance out the different risks and 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 potential outcomes as as you would see it, um, you know, looking look if things play out the way you think, this should be a little bit better year than uh, than than what we saw last year. Should be, I think so. Uh, you know, the timing of it is, uh, you know, one of the. <clears throat> One of the things I have written on my wall is a, uh, is a uh, you know a quote from J.P. Morgan when asked what stocks will do, and he said they'll fluctuate, young men, they'll fluctuate. <laughs> but um, you know, all things considering, uh, you know, I think uh, as we progress through this year, we'll see uh, both the worst of earnings and we'll see the worst of the impact of interest rates. And uh, you know, as we've talked in the past, like uh, good and getting better, a good and not getting better, bad and getting better is not a bad time to be investing in the stock market and I think we'll see that uh, sometime this year excellent well I was uh, I was I was working uh, I'm, I'm back in the office I was working late last night and uh, I've, I've gotten to know the cleaning people fairly well over the years and uh, the cleaning person came by last night and said do you know the crazy guy who writes on his wall upstairs <laughs> and uh, now I know the answer Steve you shouldn't you shouldn't be writing on your office wall <laughs> We have to come look uh, for my birthday. They gave me a present. You have to come have a look at it. But um, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm a I love to keep uh, keep things and put them on my wall. Uh, um, you know, yeah. There's all sorts of there's all sorts of great uh, uh, you know great things. Uh, you know, just as I stare at them, one the mortal enemies of intelligence are time and wishful thinking is another favorite. Uh, yeah, you know, we have to be open minded to a lot of different scenarios. Uh, but uh, you know, I think I think we're we're making progress, uh, relatively speaking. Yeah, and, and actually, there's there uh, there is there's a lot of interesting stuff uh, uh, on the wall in your uh, in in your office. And uh, happy birthday, by the way! Happy New Year! And Stu, uh, thanks for a great uh, Stu's days to kick off 2023. Great, thanks very much, Dave, and all the best. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management Inc for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.